America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to It's a Crime, I'm Linda, and today we're gonna to be talking about Megan Boswell and her court appearance on Monday, March 9th. I'm also gonna talk about a little bit of her past interviews and also what her attorney had to say about her. But before I get into it, please hit that subscribe button and hit that notification bell so you could be notified of my next upcoming videos. There's going to be a lot of them. Also hit that like button if you support this video and don't forget to share it out. With that being said, let's get into it. So in Megan's recent court hearing, the judge was talking about how this should be on May 8th, but it was changed because there was a motion that was filed to increase the bond amount. This judge also mentions about juvenile court and how Megan is charged with contempt. Now, Brian Fraley, who is an agent with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, took the stand and he talked about how he is a special agent criminal investigator and that he has been doing this since 2006. He said that he was assigned to investigate the disappearance of Evelyn and he said that it was February 18th when this started. He also noted that Evelyn was reported missing since December 26th, and he pointed out that it was 55 days. He also pointed out that Megan was the mother and physically pointed to her in the courtroom. Now the attorney asks and says, was Megan interviewed by you? And he says, yes, sir, she was. Then he goes on to ask, based on her responses in your investigation, did you come to the conclusion that she gave false reports? And he said, yes, sir, several. And as a result, she was charged with one charge of false reports. He then asked the agent, what was the effect of false statements on the investigation? And he says because of the Amber Alert issued, various resources were expanded, man hours, he said, but the most crucial is time lost. And he goes on to say whenever there's an Amber Alert, time is of the essence. He said there were numerous resources, the TBI, all of Sullivan County Sheriff's Office, criminal investigation team, the FBI. Then he starts talking about March 6th, which is the day that Evelyn was found. And he asked, was there a search conducted on the Boswell family property belonging to the brother, the father, and the grandmother? And he asked what was found on conducting that search. And Agent Fraley says there was a body, a child approximately one year to a year and a half old. And the attorney asked, did that child appear to be the same size? Was it consistent with photographs and characteristics of Evelyn? And the agent said the clothing that was described when she was missing was the exact clothing that they found on this child. So I want to go to March 6th uh, this year. And uh, was there a search conducted at the residence of the Boswell family on that day? Yes, sir, there was. And when I say Boswell family, we're talking about the defendant's father, brother, and uh, grandmother. Is that correct? That's correct, yes, sir. And uh, what was found upon that, conducting that search? Uh, there was a body, uh, a child, approximately a year, year and a half old. Okay. Uh, even though it's not been positively identified by 
forensic testing did that child appear to be the same age, same size as uh, the photographs and the information you obtained even from the defendant about the child's characteristics? Yes, sir. He also said there was various child clothing found, diapers, toys, and that kind of thing that would belong to the child. What else was found there? Uh, the clothing uh, with the prior interview of Ms. Bosworth, clothing described in that interview was uh, exactly clothing that was found on this child. What else was found there? Uh, there was various, uh, various child uh, clothing, uh, diapers, toys, that kind of thing that, uh, that would have belonged to uh, the child. They talked a little bit about how Megan doesn't have a residence, that she does not have a job to go to, and that she wouldn't have a job to go back to, in his opinion. They also talked about out-of-state contacts being in Virginia, North Carolina, and Texas, and they said that she had many trips out of the state and talked about Texas in particular in fall of 2019. Then the defense lawyer got up and he was talking about Texas again, asking some questions and asked the date. The agent said it was October 2019. And then they talked about if there was other dates of the trips, but the agent said, I don't remember the exact dates. Then the defense talked about Megan having no criminal history and also no failure to appear anywhere. Then the judge actually called the attorneys up to the bench and they talked for approximately three minutes. Then after that was done, the judge was talking a little bit about Megan again having no criminal history, doesn't have a history of failure to appear in court, and has family ties right in Sullivan County. But he also said that she does have ties to Virginia and Texas and has gone to those two states. But he did say he is concerned that she has ties to Texas. He went on to say about how he's considering that Megan has made false statements with regard to death and he's weighing out the positive and negative factors. And he did mention how she's not working, she wouldn't be able to go back to the job, and he did touch a little bit of her mental condition, especially with the statements that she has made, but he has pointed out the no criminal history and no history of failure to appear. Now he did increase her bond to $150,000. Her original bond was $25,000. And then it was mentioned that the next grand jury is next week. And then it was also mentioned that they would be ready to present the case and some other related false reports was a quote. So that will be May 8th will be the court hearing as well. Now, Megan's lawyer was talking about Megan and how he presented the news about finding Evelyn himself. He said he was the first person to find her. His name is Brad Sprawls, and he's at the court-appointed attorney. Now, when he was interviewed, the reporter said, did she seem distraught? Was she crying? And he said, she was obviously upset. I don't know how else to describe it. Her reaction is somewhat to be expected. Did she seem... Uh, distraught? Was she crying? Obviously upset. I mean, I, I don't know how else to describe it. This is a, a tragic situation any way you look at it. So, you know, her reaction was somewhat to be expected. And he said as far as he knew, no one told her first that he was the first one. And he also stressed that he hopes that no one is passing judgment until they know what happened. Now, the only thing I think of in this is 
it's too bad that he gave her the news himself being the court-appointed attorney. What comes to mind is when I saw Nancy Grace, this was a while ago, and please help me if you remember this case. She was talking to this guy on her show, and something happened to his son, and they found him in the basement, but she's the one who delivered the news live to him and watched his reaction. Now that would have been really important, I think, if she was told not necessarily by the media, but told by detectives to see what her reaction would be. And that might have been the case, but she was telling her court-appointed attorney that he was the first, so we don't quite know. This is a very, very bizarre case. And I'm gonna point out a few things in her interviews because I went back today and re-listened to them, re-watched them, especially now that we know some of the facts that Evelyn is found. And there was three interviews specifically with Megan. And she was talking about that Evelyn was last seen in December, and the reporter said, well, what was that last day like? And she said, it was a good day. She had a little pink bow in her hair and a little Puma track shirt on it. It was hot pink. And another thing she said that stuck out for me was, you'll know it's her when you see her. You, you'll know it's her when you see her. Um. And then in another interview, she talked about her mom saying, you'll regret this. I'm going to have to leave and never be able to come back. You're going to regret this. And this was her talking about her mom, Angela Boswell. And then in the same interview, she said the main important thing now is the baby. And she says, I love her to death. So there's some things that stuck out again. Now, before I talk about her next interview, I just want to say this. To me, there's something going on with Megan and Angela that they both know. And you can correct me if you think I'm wrong or if you have a differing opinion, it's all good. Just let me know in the, the comments below and we'll have a little chit chat. But it just seems like for sure they both know and something's connected with that. Now in her other interview, the reporter says, you do kind of have an idea where Evelyn is? Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. And she doesn't directly answer. Right away she said they're checking and they're doing their best, talking about the TBI. And then the reporter says, did you give her to your mother? So that's who was watching her. Can you tell me why she was with your mom? And Megan says, well, just she was supposed to be a babysitter. It didn't turn out that way. Now, this is before Evelyn was found, right? But this was also the time where her mom and the boyfriend ran away with the car. And then in the same interview, she talks about she doesn't remember the exact date she saw her, only she talked about the exact outfit that she wore. And she literally says, I don't know the exact date to be honest with you, which if your baby's gone, you kind of know what day that is. She said she just wants to get the focus on getting the baby back. So she calls her the baby again. Um, just an observation. 
And then towards the end, she talks about finding Evelyn or finding something if you come across it. She said, if you find anything, don't touch it. But if you find clothes of what she was last wearing, don't touch it. Stuff like that, you know, if you find anything, don't touch it. You know, if you find her alive and well, obviously, like, you know, go grab her, go get her. But, like, you know, if you find, like, clothes that you're like, oh, well, this sounds like what she's wearing last, just don't touch it, you know, yeah. call law enforcement immediately. Right. Now, I'm also going to touch on Megan's boyfriend's interview. His name is Hunter Wood, as we all know, or most of you know. And he talked about having an on and off relationship with Megan. And he said that their relationship never really got that far to have any red flags. And he did note that he was told Evelyn was away with Ethan Perry, who is Evelyn's dad. And he said that she was gone at Christmas time while Ethan was on military leave. Now we know that that was not true, that Megan said that and it was a lie because Ethan is actually in the military and he was on active duty. But Hunter did say this, they have half custody to the best of my knowledge. It's not my business to dig further into that because we weren't that serious for me to dig further. Now, this could be very well true that Megan told him that. And the only thing that bothers me is he was minimizing their relationship because he said it only went on for a couple weeks. In his interview, he said that. But we're seeing pictures of them together, pictures of him together with her in February. And the grandfather was talking how they were together for two weeks, coming to this house back and forth, sometimes a couple times a day. That was in February as well. So he is minimizing that relationship, but there's that. Now, one of the things that's important as well, in my opinion, is that he said that while he was seeing Megan, he said that she told him that Evelyn broke her arm while staying with her father. And it says, while Evelyn's father, Ethan, had the child, the baby, you know, fell off the bed and broke her arm and he took her to the hospital. That's what I was told. So I'm curious to see if Evelyn's actually found having a broken arm. It's kind of like these little pieces of truth. Not saying that Hunter knew, but if that's going to be a fact, and that's what Megan has been telling everybody, including Hunter. Now, the other thing is, is it could have been an accident what happened to Evelyn. It could be an accident. It could be something she did to her. Now, I really don't know the full story. We, we don't know the full story, obviously. But I do believe that Megan and her mom know something, possibly even the boyfriend. But Megan and her mom both know. And it could be an accident, it very well could be, or it could have been intentional. But the thing is, why not call 911, right? If this happens to a baby or happens to somebody and something happened, even if it was an accident, you'd think that she would call 911. And even if it's too late, because people don't know if it's too late or not, unless it's way past late. and. Typically, a parent will call 911 even though they don't realize that it's too late, if you know what I'm saying. So we'll see what the autopsy actually says. Now, in my last video, I was talking a little bit about a memorial that was being placed near a tree and they were putting up Beanie Babies for little Evelyn as a memorial. But I have since been told and have read that they moved the memorial 
and a pastor at the Living by Faith Free Will Baptist Church allowed them to move the mountain of toys over to the church, actually behind the church. There's a little shelter. And they're going to allow these stuffed animals and things placed there until Friday. They are talking about a little bit of rain, so they sheltered it. And they said that the stuffies are going to be sent to the children's hospital and possibly an orphanage. And I also saw a little clip that they're going to be sending these toys also, or trying to, to a foster home. And the group that decided to donate the stuffed animals to the children's hospitals and foster home, etc., they said they wanted to spread love and put a smile on little ones' faces. Let's have a chit-chat below. Tell me what you think. Let me know if there's any other information that you've heard, and we'll have a chat. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Click the like button and click the share button. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.